This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome everybody to the new look Lightning Round Podcast here. Live on YouTube, we're going to be breaking down this Raider game. Uh, Jamie and I are going to kind of do it a little bit different. We're going to kind of talk about things to watch, X-Factors and all that to look forward to in week one for the Chargers home opener. Football is here. We got our first game tonight. Jamie, we're finally here. We're across the finish line. All those draft profiles and everything else we've done is over and we're back to real football. Done with the draft, done with camp, done with preseason. Thank God. Mm -hmm. And back to real football. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, this is a pretty big game, obviously, uh, going against the division rivals. Uh, the Raiders have a new coaching staff, some new faces. Uh, we'll talk about all that. And uh, I think the first thing, Jamie, we got to talk about is kind of these corners, uh, especially for the Chargers, because J.C. Jackson may be playing. He might not be playing. And if J.C.'s not playing, then, uh, then we got to talk about some of these matchups. Yeah, I think obviously JC playing has a huge factor in how things go on defense because it dictates how they need to go about covering Darren Waller and and um, Devontae Adams in particular. So, and Renfro. And Renfro. Yep. But I think their ability to cover, hopefully, Devontae Adams just with JC Jackson opens up the defensive game plan, right? Because now you don't have to double team uh, a Devontae Adams with, say, a Mike, a Michael Davis and Derwin or yeah. who are a Michael Davis and a Nasir Adderley. Mm-hmm. You can pretty much lock him down with one person, maybe with some occasional help to mix things up. But for the most part, you're going to leave JC on an Island out there uh, with Devante. Yep. But if JC is not out there, that changes the game plan pretty significantly. You know, I've seen people saying, Oh, they're fine. They don't need JC. Michael Davis shut Devante Adams down in 2019. He'll do it again. I mean, Okay, I guess. (laughs) Um, I don't know. That's something we want to bet on. You know, Davis had a great camp. He looked really good in the preseason. They've been moving him around a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't think you want to put him on an island out there with Devontae Adams for 75 plays and expect that that's going to be the outcome just because it happened in 2019. A lot has happened since 2019. So, yeah. Yeah. um, If there is no JC and it is, in fact, Michael Davis covering uh, Devontae Adams more often than not, then they're going to have to give a lot of help. You're probably going to see some bracket coverage mm-hmm. on on Devontae Adams, probably some combination of Derwin or Asante Samuel. I'm, I'm sorry, Derwin or Nasir um, Adderley, or maybe even Alohi Gilman if he's on the field. Let's hope not. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> um, sorry, distracted by the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think you'll see some some brackets, some some double teams, things like that, S- trying to be creative and multiple in the ways they go about covering Devonte, so that he doesn't get lo- lo- left on an island with Michael Davis. Because I think that's a little scary. And I don't think they have any one person that you can really look to right now and say, "Yeah, they can ha- they can handle Devonte on an island." I don't think yeah. you want to test that. Yeah, the beautiful thing about acquiring J.C. Jackson is you can leave him on an island and he can go one-on-one with anybody. And so if he's there, uh, it's great news for the Chargers. And, you know, the acquisition of J.C. Jackson was going to kind of unlock Derwin because you knew that he was going to be one-on-one by himself covering more times than not the 
uh, other team's number one wide receiver. And then Derwin would be open to do a lot more other things. If JC Jackson isn't playing, um, yeah, I, I think we'll see a lot of bracket. I think we'll see Nas over the top, a lot of matchups with a lot of these different uh, corners, depending on where he's lined up, whether it's Bryce Callahan, if he's lined up in the slot, or if it's going to be Zant or Michael Davis. But um, luckily, this offseason, the Chargers got a little bit deeper in their DB depth. So even if JC Jackson isn't going, and just for you know, argument's sake, let's just say that because it's an easy uh, problem to fix. If JC's in there, then he's locked up with Devontae Adams and then you got no issues and game plan as usual. But if JC's not there, you're probably going to see the bracket with Devontae Adams. You're going to have to give him a lot of attention where somebody over the top is going to have to uh, take away anything over the top of the defense, whether it's Nas or Derwin or uh, God help us is JT Woods or Lohai Gilman. But, you know, it's probably going to be Nas or Derwin over the top with Michael Davis or, or Sante Samuel Jr. matched up with them. And then you've got, you've got a mix of rotating uh, Asante Samuel Jr. and uh, Bryce Callahan on, on uh, Hunter Renfro, then it's gonna probably going to be a mix, I would like, a mix of Callahan, Michael Davis, and even Derwin on Darren Waller. And I think it's a pretty good matchup for the Chargers, even if J.C. doesn't go. Now, it, it bodes much better if J.C. can play. But if he doesn't, luckily there's enough depth there with Michael Davis, with Bryce Callahan, um, with Asante Samuel Jr., uh, that they can you know kind of make up for it a little bit if they're able to bracket him over the top. But again, you're kind of locking up two defenders on one guy, which is going to leave a lot of one-on-one matchups, which means you know, Asante and Bryce Callahan are going to really have to win their battles on Sunday if they do that. So um, the whole uh, Devontae Adams, Michael Davis thing, which I, I heard a lot too this week about locking him down. I mean, forget about all that. That was a long, long time ago. Um, so uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect Michael Davis to be mashed up on him and to lock him down. If he is, I think there's going to be a lot of give and take on Sunday and um, just moving to the other side of the ball, just because we're breaking this game down without, um, Without J.C. Jackson, uh, it's the same thing on the other side, too, for the Raiders. There's kind of, while I said the Chargers have some DB depth, the Raiders don't really have the depth they've had, and they haven't really had a good cornerback group in a long time. But uh, I thought Nate Hobbs, uh, going back and watching him last year, was really, really good for them. Uh, more of a nickel corner. Uh, they're going to start him on the outside when they release their official depth chart. Uh, he was listed as one of their, their outside corners, so going to flip from the inside to the outside, so it's going to be kind of new for him uh, coming this Sunday. Uh, uh, they've got uh, they traded away Trayvon Mullen, so uh, they lack some depth there. But they went out and uh, traded for Rocky Sin from the Colts, and uh, he's been really underwhelming uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, a guy that Jamie and I were very very low on in the draft process. Uh, not very surprised to be honest with uh, how slow of a start he's had to his career. Thought it would take a, a pretty long time for him to get going, if ever at all so kind of a below average corner on either side and you know i just outside of that with guys like um uh amrick robertson and anthony everett uh, everett there isn't really a lot of good depth so i think we're going to see uh, quite a bit of three wide this sunday and there's going to be some guys that are going to get some one-on-one matchups against uh some of that you know thin depth i think the Chargers are going to really have to test that on sunday yeah, I, you know, we talked about it when we did the Raiders preview um, prior to the preseason. I, I think the Raiders secondary is pretty slow, and they lack playmakers on the whole. Um, Nate Hobbs had a great year last year, but once you get past him, they're slow. They don't make a whole lot of plays. They're really a zone coverage bunch. I don't know that they have the talent to be able to press and play the Chargers wide receivers man-to-man, -man, but I think 
you know, they can probably bracket Mike and Keenan and kind of challenge Josh Palmer to beat them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be important for Palmer to make a lot of plays. He's probably going to get targeted quite a bit. And I think the game plan for the Raiders is going to be, let's take away Keenan in the slot. Let's take away Mike outside. Let's see if Josh Palmer can live up to the hype um, on the other side and see if he can make some plays. So I think a huge X factor for the Chargers on offense is going to be Josh Palmer's ability to beat the two, the second, third, and fourth wide receivers for the Raiders, make plays in the intermediate and deep parts of the field, and see if they can force the Raiders to roll some coverage his way and maybe not be able to bracket Keenan and Mike as much mm-hmm. as they pro- they're probably going to try to, yeah. particularly as they get closer to the red zone. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So uh, just some of these questions here. So Josh, uh, thanks for the shout out on the graphic. Love it. If you, if you're listening to this, go on YouTube, check out, we got a brand new graphic for the season. Of course, uh, how to get better this season. So uh, let's see. Josh also asked, should we be worried about how McDaniels deploys his running back committee worried less about the middle and more of the outside gadget plays. And then a Thier, who's new. Thank you. Um, also wanted to talk about the Raiders O-line and uh, is is the pass rush the key? Is it the run game? There's a lot of questions about stopping the run, just like Frank here. Do we think stopping the run is the highest priority? So a lot of questions about the Raiders offensive line and this Raider rushing game. Jamie, uh, let's, let's go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, so I mean, we know the Raiders are going to try to run the ball. We're probably going to see a lot of 12 personnel. Um, against the Chargers defense, they're going to come out and they're going to test the, the Chargers to see if they really have improved that run defense with the additions they made in the offseason. So the Chargers are going to have to prove they can stop the run. It's going to be extremely important for them to limit the damage on first and second down on the ground. Uh, they're going to have to find themselves in third and seven or longer on a fairly consistent basis. They can take away the short passes. They need to force the Raiders, I think, to get away from the three and five step drops and get more into the five and seven step drops and force Derek Carr to hold the football a little bit longer to give their, their pass rush a chance to get to the quarterback. So I think stopping the run is going to be absolutely huge. And I think interior pressure is going to be really big. Mm-hmm. You know, if we look at the way the the Patriots have played the chargers in recent years, they basically just let the chargers edge rushers get up the field they had three and five step drops and the ball was out, whether it was a swing pass or a quick slant or something, they'd take four or five yards and they get back to the line of scrimmage and they just let the chargers edge rushers wear themselves out trying to get upfield with the quarterback. They couldn't get there. Yep. Ball was out too fast. And I think it's going to be a similar game plan now with Derek Carr. They don't want him holding the ball in the pocket. They don't want him taking hits. They don't want to see him turtling in the fourth quarter. So they're going to try to get the ball out. They're going to be looking for those quick, those quick outs, quick slants, Get the ball in Devontae Adams' hands, see if he can make something happen after the catch. Try to pick up four, five, six yards, but on quick, quick passes with an A dot of, you know, three to five yards and and some yak afterwards. So I do think that's going to be the game plan. So if the Chargers can stop the run and they can create some interior pressure with guys like Fox and Tillery and Sebastian Joseph Day. I think they have a really good chance to get to, to get to get to car and kind of derail that game plan. But it all starts with stopping the run on first and second down. 
Yeah, and I think for both teams, and I think a lot of a lot of the weaknesses uh, kind of mirror each other with both these rosters. But um, the both these teams have a lot to prove. I mean, the interior had been a weak point for both teams, um, so you know the Chargers are going to try to Chargers and Raiders are both going to try to steal some yards on the ground. That's that's what they're going to try to do. And uh, the recipe to beat the Raiders have been pretty easy every year: stopping the run early, like Jamie's talking about, first and second down, make Carr throw it 35, 40 times a game, uh, wait until he makes a mistake because he will make a mistake and then make him pay when he does. And so uh, that's no different. And the running back room is fairly weak on paper with Josh Jacobs, who they didn't, uh, we don't even know if he'll be here next year with the Raiders. Uh, they declined his fifth year option. Brandon Bolden, the uh, expatriate with McDaniels, Amir Abdullah, and then the kind of the preseason star so far, the rookies, Amir White. So uh, there's not a lot of guys that scare you in that group. And quite honestly, uh, it kind of seems like if they're going to run the ball, that won't be an issue because uh, there's not a lot of talent there. But the interior for both teams have to stop the run. And the Chargers, who were one of the worst run defenses last year, have to go and stop the run and make Derek Carr throw the ball on Sunday. And uh, like Jamie's talking about, was something I was going to bring up too, interior pressure is going to be huge because I think for both these teams, the edge guys are going to get a lot of attention. Um we're going to see Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack get chipped a lot. We're going to see them get doubled. Uh, same thing on the other side with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Uh, going to get doubled, going to get chipped a lot, which means there's going to be a lot of one-on-one matchups inside. So a lot of these interior guys for the Chargers, these new acquisitions, Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day, even Jerry Tillery, and anybody else they employ in the middle are going to have to win their battles because they're going to get one-on-one matchups. And then once you start winning those matchups inside, they're going to have to abandon that outside looks where they're given extra attention and then bring it back inside, giving Bosa and Mac more opportunities on the outside. So both teams is pretty much the same thing. They're going to have to get some interior pressure and then kind of take some of that attention off of those uh, edge rushers because I mean, quite honestly, both edge rushers have, you know, game wreckers. So they're going to have to really uh, help curtail uh, on both sides, those edge rushers. And for the Raiders on the interior, they signed some new guys of free agency, Andrew Billings, Bilal Nichols, um, but a lot more kind of primarily run stuffers, even though Billings has some pass rushing chops. Uh, neither guy really known to get after the quarterback. Uh, they've got Jonathan Hankins, who we know is a premier run stuffer. So it's going to be Matt Filer, Corey Lindsay, and the rookie Zion Johnson. who are going to have to take advantage of, you know, some of that lack of talent and kind of that, uh, lack of pass rush on the inside for the Raiders and win those battles inside. Cause if they start losing, then they're going to have to start leaving those guys on the edge free. And uh, the chargers definitely don't want that. Yeah. I think, you know, I mentioned um, jo- Joshua Palmer as a big key for this game. I think the other mm-hmm. big key on offense is going to be Trey Pipkins, obviously. Oh yeah. Um, we haven't even I, got there yet, but yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're talking about winning battles inside. I think, Pipkin's ability to function at a somewhat competent level without a ton of help just opens up the offense. It makes everything easier. But if Pipkins is struggling and he needs a lot of help, whether it's chips, double teams, what have you, that restricts the game plan offensively because now they have to shift what they're doing to protect Pipkins. So it's going to be really important that Trey shows that he can somewhat handle these guys one-on-one so that they don't have to help him every play. Um, and because if they leave him on an island out there by himself and he starts playing like Storm Norton did last year, mm-hmm. I mean, that just destroys your game plan. It completely destroys your game plan. So they need to be able to get something out of Pipkins without a ton of help so that they know that they don't have to 
put a tight end on his side on every play, or they don't have to switch to more of a run-heavy game plan like they did against Kansas City when Pipkins played. They need to be able to run their game plan the way they need to run it without having to make too many huge adjustments for the right tackle. And I think that's going to be a huge thing. If he shows he can handle himself, that's going to open things up. If he's getting whipped on a regular basis and they have to help him, that's probably going to drastically change the game plan, and it's going to make the game a lot closer than I think anybody wants it to be. Yeah. Yeah, and to answer Junius' question, is Trey Pipkins officially starting? He is. He's the right tackle, uh, according to the depth chart. So, yeah, I mean, when we're talking about things to watch and keys to the game and X factors, Trey Pipkins is a big one. Uh, He's got his hands full on Sunday, two premier pass rushers like we talked about. And if he can win his battles one-on-one and throughout the game show that he doesn't need help, that's a huge win for the Chargers if he can help kind of slow down Crosby and Jones. And then on the other side, it's the same thing. Uh, Raiders are really weak on the offensive line, especially on the right side. Uh, Colt Miller uh, obviously progressed throughout his career so far, looking pretty good. But on the right side, uh, they've got a lot of question marks in right tackle, just like the Chargers, going all the way through the preseason and then officially naming a starter when they released the depth chart. Uh, they signed the right tackle, Jermaine L. Aluminor. Aluminor. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, expatriate, uh, kind of a journeyman swing tackle for most of his career. And um, now he's going to be the starter for the Raiders week one. Uh, he's played some left tackle, was flipped to right tackle. And in 2020, uh, go went back and watched some of his uh, tape. And I watched the Chargers play the Patriots in 2020. Uh, do not recommend. They lost like 45 to nothing. Yeah, it was ugly. Cam, yeah, Cam Newton-led offense with uh, guys like Kalen Balaj still in the backfield for the Chargers. And uh, so that kind of gives you a, <laughs> a little notice of what kind of roster they were uh, putting on the field at that point. And um, so uh, Chargers got their butts kicked uh, uh, in the scoreboard. But um, he was solid enough early on that they kept him out and starting as a left tackle. They flipped him to right. And then uh, as that, went al- that game went along, uh, uh, Aluminor just kept getting his ass kicked uh, against the Chargers, and uh, he kept getting beat. He was beat in pass pro. He was getting run over in the run game, and then the very next week, the Patriots benched him, and he became a special teams tackle, kind of swing tackle, big man, and uh, he was no longer a starter. So a guy who lost his job with the Patriots, now he's back, and uh, the team that kind of kicked him out of his starting job, he'll be able to face week one. So uh, this game is kind of going to go as these right tackles go because if they need to put extra attention on that right side for both teams, it's uh, both game plans are out the window, really, and it's going to at least hamper it a little bit. So, you know, both Chargers and Raiders, again, have game wreckers on the outside, and it's going to be Luminor and Trey Pipkins who are going to have to hold their own on Sunday. Yeah, I think the Raiders have more more problems on their hands than just Illuminor. You look at that oh, offensive sure. line. <laughs> yep. You know, once you get past Colton Miller, who's been pretty good the last couple of years, mm-hmm. they're they've got some problems from left guard all the way over to right tackle. John Simpson, Andre James, and Lester Cotton Sr. Yeah. They, yeah. they got problems. Uh their two guards have three years of experience. I think Cotton is a is a rookie and mm-hmm. Um, Simpson almost guy, lost his job to Parham in the preseason. And, and Simpson is in his second year. And I think he played pretty well towards the end of the year last year, but overall was not very good. Mm. So um, they have some issues. I think for the Chargers, it's going to be really important for them to be creative with their pass rush, with their pressure packages. Um, I don't want to see just see Mac on one side and Joey on the other and relying on them to get, get home uh, off the edge. 
I'd like to see some packages with them overloading the right side with Mac and Joey, maybe Mac on the outside and Joey on the inside and somebody like Derwin or, or Kyle Van Noy lining up in the gap, fitting the gap, trying to, you know, force uh, Illuminor and uh, Cotton to figure out who to block and where mm -hmm. guys are coming from. Um, I think you can create some mismatches there, get some good one-on-one -on -one matchups, particularly in the interior and help generate more interior rush. And I'd look out for Morgan Fox here. I have a feeling he's going to have a good game. He was really good in the preseason. He's a guy who's shown he can rush inside and outside. I think you'll see him lined up over the guards more often than not in this game. And I think he he's a person who has the ability to get home with that interior rush. And if he is getting home, he could have a really big impact on this game. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, the interior of this offensive line is suspect for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Chargers have improved. So in that respect, uh, Chargers have the advantage where I think there's a lot of, uh, again, kind of uh, weak spots on both teams. And uh, luckily, Chargers have the advantage there on the interior of the offensive line. And then um, but something that they both kind of lack is kind of, you know, a a real talent or depth at the second level uh, with these linebackers for both teams, really. Um, neither team really has a true speedy deep threat on either side, and uh, it's going to be a lot of action at the second level in this game. Uh, the Chargers, of course, Kyle Van Noy, like you mentioned, Drew Tranquil, uh, still pretty good in coverage as coverage linebackers. Uh, they're going to go against some shifty receivers and Renfro and Adams. Um, but the Chargers have enough DB depth, I think, to help out in coverage. But when they're in zone, they're going to have their hands full for sure. Um, but the Raiders, on the other side, they've got uh, a pretty good coverage linebacker in Jion Brown, a guy we talked about during the Free Agent Podcast, who they just signed. But I'll Outside of that, they've got two linebackers who absolutely cannot cover for shit. They've got Denzel Perryman, who we all know about, and then watching Divine Diablo last year. My God, man. Uh, I mean, so we know Perryman's a run stuffer. He's a stat collector. He will make tackles five to seven yards downfield, um, but will we'll tackle a lot and get a lot of stats. But Diablo, uh, I looked, I ended up looking it up, ranked bottom five among linebackers in coverage. Just awful. Uh, speedy guy, uh, pretty good in the run game. Uh, they hope he can turn it around. But, man, if you get either of those dudes in one-on-one -on -one matchups, Chargers are going to find a lot of success because they've got some huge holes at the second level. You'll get a kick out of this. Raiders fans okay. compared Divine Diablo to um, uh, Simmons. The kid in Arizona, the linebacker in Arizona. Isaiah Simmons? Isaiah Simmons, yeah. Mm, okay. That's pretty common. They think yeah. he's a similar athlete and that he's the same kind of player as Simmons. Uh, he's. I mean, he's an athlete. I'll give him that. But he's not the <laughs> athlete Simmons is, and he cannot cover. But all right, fine, let, him, let him dream. Yeah, I think there are going to be opportunities to attack the second level for sure. We talked about that um, going into the final game last year. I thought there were opportunities to – Get Keenan lined up, matched up against the linebackers. Get um, get Eckler lined up against the linebackers, and find ways to get them the ball in space and have them make plays. And I think mm -hmm. those opportunities are still there. Yep. Um, and I think you know you're going to see this Raiders defense is different from a schematic standpoint than it was when they saw the Raider the, the last time the Chargers saw mm -hmm. them. You know, this was primarily a cover three defense uh, under Gus Bradley last year. Now with Patrick Graham coming in, this is much more like the Vic Fangio, uh, Brandon Staley defense. It's more of an amoeba defense. They move around. They disguise coverages really well. They show a lot of two high shells at the snap, and they play a lot of cover four, a lot of cover seven, a lot of cover two. Uh, they will play some cover three. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how Justin Herbert has progressed in terms of his 
um, his pre-snap reads and identifying what kind of coverages he's looking at. Because last year there were times where he struggled with those two high shells. He was a little bit slow to diagnose who was coming down, uh, whether it was going to stay cover two, or whether the coverage was going to shift, and he was slow to get the ball out. Mm-hmm. And there were times, I'm thinking specifically of the Houston game last year, where they had opportunities to make plays, split the safeties downfield and make plays. The ball was late coming out. He was waiting to see guys get open instead of throwing guys open. And he gave up a couple of bad interceptions because he was slow getting the ball out. And, yep. I, and I think that's something that the, that's kind of the book on Herbert right now is adjusting to cover two, being comfortable letting it rip in the middle of the defense and cover two between the safeties and trusting that he can make those plays. We know he has the arm to make those plays. It's just a matter of timing and confidence at this point and understanding what he's seeing pre and post snap. And I think that's the biggest area of improvement for him. So seeing how he handles those, those two high shells and the disguises is I think going to be really big. It's going to be a good test for him early. So we get to see, get an idea of how he's developed in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Great point. And uh, something we're going to definitely see on Sunday for sure. Um, and then you know, as we're, I mean, we basically broke down both teams entirely almost. <laughs> um, yeah. We, you, we were texting about uh, special teams, which is going to be a big sticking point. Yeah. I, you know, I just noticed watching a couple of the Raiders preseason games, they seem to have some juice in the return game. And obviously we know the chargers struggle with that in the preseason. So it'd be interesting to see how the chargers have improved now that they've gotten some of the guys at the bottom of the depth chart off the roster and they mm-hmm. know who, they know who their core guys are on special teams, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they handle that because yeah. the Raiders had a lot of big returns in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we know uh, offensively, same system, and pretty much the entire offense came back again this year. So uh, we shouldn't see any slow movement there on offense. Defense, same system, same defensive coordinator, uh, some new faces. So maybe they get off to a little bit of a slow start, but there are some, you know, returning starters, obviously. But special teams, Ryan Ficken came in, new system, new scheme, and in uh, in the preseason game against the Cowboys, gave up two return touchdowns. And, you know, again, like Jamie said, a lot of those guys aren't on the roster anymore. But guys that were on the field, like Dean Leonard and Jasir Taylor and Amin Agbangamiga were all part of those uh, two touchdowns. They were on coverage teams during preseason. Uh, will they be in now uh, when the games count? I'm not sure. But, you know, it's it's hard to kind of put, put your finger on it right now because – you know, you just don't know how good the special teams is. And with, you know, they've got Hunter Renfro returning kicks. And I think Amir Abdullah is returning um, uh, kickoffs. Uh, you know, there there is some juice in that return game. And so can the Chargers stop it? And is there a, you know, is can they turn it around from this really bad showing in the preseason? So special teams is going to be something to watch because they're really bad in the preseason. Hopefully they can turn it around with the starters in on Sunday. There was a question here for, go ahead. You're going to say something? Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, so Francis, quick little off-topic question. The NFL Twitter account asks, what is the best feeling in football? Or the best feeling in football is, and then fill in the blank. Jamie, what is the best feeling in football as a Charger fan? A Charger Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's easy and I guess a little boring. But I was going to say, we were talking about special teams. Uh, Anytime the special teams is a mess up. Because then it gives the Chargers a chance. Uh, because the special teams have been so bad, I think the best feeling in football is when the Chargers special teams don't blow it. So, um, 
So anything else you want to uh, get to here before we kind of give our little prediction? I think we pretty much covered everything. Okay. All right. Uh, you can put your predictions in the chat, but Jamie and I will do our predictions. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll go ahead and start. Um, I think Devonte Adams is going to go off. I think with the reunion with Derek Carr, I think Josh McDaniels is really going to scheme him open and he's going to really try to showcase Devonte Adams and this new free agent acquisition. So I think Devonte Adams gets his on Sunday. I think Eckler gets a touchdown on the ground. I think Mike Williams gets a deep touchdown. I think Gerald Everett gets a red zone touchdown, but I think chargers get up early. I think the Raiders fight back, which is always what happens. And then at the end, the Raiders are going to try to surge. Chargers are going to get a stop. It's going to be close. I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game with these offenses. I'm going to say 27-24, Chargers win by a field goal. That's a good one. I think it's going to okay. be close, too. Um, I think it wouldn't surprise me if the Chargers get off to a slow start on defense and it's kind of back and forth offensively because I don't – I'm not sure we've seen enough to know for sure that either defense is particularly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling it will come down to a big play from Derwin, just a hunch. Mm. And I think the Chargers win this one with a late turnover from Derwin. I'm going to say 31-27. Oh, Derwin's going to seal it. I love it. Great. All right. Cool. A lot of people thinking it's not going to be very close. Aether says it's going to be 31-17 Chargers. Ruben says it's going to be 38-17 Chargers. Roland Dubs, who's a Raiders fan in the chat, what's up, man, uh, thinks the Raiders are going to win 38-31. So uh, that's, man, that's a lot of points. 38. Whew. Okay, well, um, yeah, a lot of people not thinking it's going to be very close. I guess Roland Dubs thinks it's going to be within seven, but... We got, we got them a lot closer than the chat does, for sure. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, week one is upon us. Uh, we're going to go after hours, after the game on Sunday. So go ahead and uh, check us out there. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, make sure to uh, subscribe on YouTube. Join the Patreon. Uh, find us on Twitter and everything else. We appreciate everybody listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.